podcast for all LARPers. I am your host, Martin, and we will be talking about live-action roleplay events and experiences. Uh, throughout this series, we will talk about specific LARPs and also more general topics surrounding LARPs. Today, we're going to take a look at the professionalization of LARP, both from an individual aspect and also from the company aspect. Professionalization is something which has been increasing in the LARP community over the past 10 years, where you now have professional companies running LARP all over the world. Also, you have individuals who, in essence, come in as individual creators or as consultants to these LARP and provide certain skills or services which benefit the LARP and enhance the experience for the LARPer, as well as giving back to that creator. This show is for both new LARPers uh, through to seasoned veterans, and we will be implementing a scale to let you know the main focus of each episode. Episodes air every odd month, so January, March, May, July, September, and November, and will be approximately one to two hours in length. Every episode is, of course, for everybody, but some will focus more on issues which will resonate more with one group or another. As such, we have a scale which will tell you the focus of the topics and possibly the depths of some of the various bogs and dungeons we might wade into. The scale for this episode will be Innkeeper. So as this episode covers a unique area of LARPs, I've arranged for some guests to help me via uh, Zoom uh, to help show how some of these concepts have impacted them and how they've professionalized their skills as LARPers. So with me via Zoom today, I have Eric Love of LARP Adventure Program, who will be talking some about professionalization of LARP as an individual, uh, Alex Richmond of Quest Adventure Gaming, and Alessandro uh, Giovannucci of Chaos League, who will be talking about uh, professionalization of LARP as it relates to both them individually and also setting up LARP companies. So thank you all for joining me today. Uh, before we begin an open discussion, let me first ask you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourselves and your involvement with LARP. Uh, so Eric, I will hand it over to you. Thanks for having me out today, Martin. It's an honor to be here with you and also some, as far as I can start, inspiration and big name LARPers of Alex and Alessandro. Thanks guys for being here. Kind Absolutely. of cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so my name is Eric Love, and I'm the founder and owner of LARP Adventure Program. I got a master's in education from Wesley University, uh, which I used to develop a LARP educational system. All right. Thank you very much. Um, Alex, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so my name is Alex Richmond. Uh, I'm the owner and uh, head director of Quest Adventure Gaming. Um, we're based out of Watkins Glen, New York, but we actually do work around the country. Um, our, our big project uh, that we're, we're most well known for at this point is the, the Outbound Hope mission, um, which we're hoping to revise again next year. But we have a number of other projects that are uh, coming, coming out relatively soon if we can get out of a global pandemic. Very true, very true. Um, <laughs> and uh, Alessandro. Hello, uh, everyone. Thank you for having me. I'm Alessandro Giovannucci. I'm one of the founders of, of Chaos League. We are a collective of, of, of LARP designer. We started in 1992 and we are uh, still here. And uh, we do LARP from, from, um, uh, from, from small chamber LARP to, 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 to international one. Uh, personally, I come from a, um, a, a curriculum which is not related to LARP at all. I mean, I, I've been LARPing since I was like 
2012. But I'm, I mean, I am a musicologist. I'm a specialist in philosophy and history and technology of music here at the, at the university here in Italy. Excellent. Well, thank you all for, uh, for agreeing to be on the show. So to ensure that we're all on the same page for the purposes of this conversation, I'm going to be describing the professionalization of LARP as the ability to turn the work that you do either into a career working in LARP or setting up professional LARP organizations or also how LARP impacts your actual personal careers. Um, so it doesn't need to be full-time work, but it should be areas where you've used special or professional training in helping to build and create either aspects of LARP or having LARP influence in your job um, or the whole LARP itself can, in the case of companies. Um, so I'm now going to open this up to, to my wonderful guests here, and we're going to begin to delve a little bit deeper into these topics. So uh, let's start, I guess, with each of you, how you uh, uh, how each of you feel that this professionalization of LARP has both positively and, and possibly negatively affected what you do in the world of LARP. Anyone is welcome to start. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 I think one of the toughest things, and I'm just going to assume, because uh, I've met Alex and Alessandro, is that this is like a, a passion of love, right? This is something that comes as an expression from our hearts, so to speak. And I think, you know, it, that can be tricky when you make, uh, I don't want to say the word hobby, but your, your craft then, your, your passion, your job, or a piece of work, right? When it becomes related to work and anything that has a, a ticket price on it or something like that, that that's, that's a struggle just because there's a boundary there between who am I as an artist, as a human, and then putting on that boss hat. Like that has been one of the hardest struggles that just keeps biting me in the but so to speak, continuously, like year after year. Yeah, and uh, there's there's such an artistic component to to games like these, and when all of a sudden it it becomes you know um, under the scrutiny of a much larger player base or you know just a group of supporters, um, I mean it, it it changes how you have to present things. It changes how you have to to go about. Um, dealing with with people sometimes um so i mean it, it really takes it from being this this game and as eric said this like labor of love to being something that has to all of a sudden follow very different rules um and and sometimes that can be a good thing and then sometimes it can definitely be very challenging um you know, you, especially when, you know, criticism comes along on your little baby or you have some sort of uh, community issue where suddenly you have to talk to one of your players as, you know, put on the, the dad hat, so to speak. Um, I mean, it's, there's, there's, it's just a, a very different way of looking at it than if you're just a player for sure. Um, I'm, I usually, when I think about, about this, this, this question is, I, I always do maybe because of my work, a similarity with, with music, you know, mm -hmm. I think in a, in, a, in a moment, which is very exciting, where uh, an underground group, let's say that LARP in general as a scene is, is a band, you know? So this is the moment where an underground band, we, are, we did some incredible stuff, uh, can go professional. Hmm. So you have all the pros and the cons, okay? So you can um, dedicate all your time to, to, to your art, uh, at, but at the same, so you can have more possibility, more visibility, more more money, more audience, uh, more time to develop your ideas. At the same time, you need to do 
it it has to be sustainable and uh, both for an economic point of view and um, trying to not go burn out because it's very easy when you love something uh, this is the way also why a lot of musicians are on drugs uh, we don't want all the larp organizer to be on drugs but if you if you burn out yourself you, you know um, musicians are not bad per se is it, the context now that made you make certain choice that can be unhealthy for you and for for the scene uh, so but all of that are also positive aspect because you know having more time being more uh what's the the, the word more uh, okay let's say uh, ambitious uh, but the, 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 there is also, of course, a bad side. Uh, one in particular that I fear a lot is the standardization. Because if you want a product that, that can be sustainable and becomes a good, uh, of course, the, the commodification of something so creative can, of course, you know, leads you to, okay, let's do that, that, and that, and that's all, because I know it's all. Uh, the LARP is not, you know, you can say in cinema, we do that all the time. We have tons of, 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 of movies, but, but the audience is very wide. In LARP, if we start to standardize stuff, we, can, we will burn out our audience curiosity and we are not strong enough. But it's all, you know, also a possibility. We are not strong enough to do shitty LARP. <laughs> so so those, those are actually all sort of very interesting points and it leads into I think a very good question, which is, what do you think is sort of the biggest challenge in in professionalizing uh, both both LARP from the perspective of the game and also from the perspective of you as an individual? So I I, I kind of feel like there's two ways that that, that question can be answered um, because just as an industry as a whole. Um, I think one of the, the things that at least we still have in the States is the whole, the newness of, of the, the product, so to speak. I mean, a lot of people don't necessarily understand what a live action role play event really is. Um, I, just a quick little story. One of the things that we did with, with our, our first season of Outbound is we worked with J.G. Uh, Hertzler, who's a former Star Trek actor. And the amount of times that I had to explain to him exactly what the event itself was, um, it was 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 fairly high um and i think too i mean when you start trying to to open up a, a new um a new event a new story a new product however we want to we want to uh, word that um there's always going to be that little component of you know well how can we explain this to people who are new to this sort of game um because uh, you know it, it's it's not mainstream at least yet. Um, I think we're starting to see some of these bigger companies like even Disney begin to flirt the line with, with playing with, a, with the idea of a LARP, but I think there's still a long way to go. And I would say that's one of the biggest challenges to this particular um, business model at this stage. So, so I think that's an interesting point, especially in, in, in essence with the, with the Disney angle there and i'd like to explore that a little bit further but first i want to i want to give the other two guests a chance to to give their input as well if they have any thoughts yeah we got to get back to disney because i think disney tried to actually copyright larp at one point or a few points and it was shut down thank goodness um so the, what was the the, the question is what is the biggest challenge with professionalizing larp is that that's where we're at yeah uh, i mean i think just how many hats you need to wear you know it's like you need to be 
an office manager, unless you have a giant staff and you have these resources, you need to be a PR person. You need to, you know, be the director of the activities. You need to be the writer of the events. You need to be the training of the staff. It's like in Alessandro, you talked about burnout. It's like so easy to get burnt out when you have this passionate vision and the amount of work that needs to go into a LARP. And I think part of what you brought up, Alex, is people have a hard time envisioning it. I think I remember when I was trying to envision LARP when I first heard about it. And I think part of the reason why I couldn't envision it, and I've noticed this when I tried to explain this to parents, is that it is so much work. No one can imagine that anyone would even want to do that or have the capability of doing that. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And then the other thing that drives me nuts is like, there's not a lot of infrastructure um, for LARP. Like it is hard to find LARP insurance. It is hard to get a permit for LARP. It is hard to, um, you know, get anything done legally with LARP because it's not, uh, as Alex mentioned, at least in the States for us, I don't know how it is for you, Alessandro, it's not defined. And so when you go to try to get a permit or do anything, everyone's like, what do you mean? How does it work? I remember at one point, I was trying to get insurance before. Luckily, there's somebody who made LARP insurance. Um, and they said, well, this sounds as dangerous as skydiving. So you need skydiving insurance. It was like, so, you know, when you're trying to work within your society and your government and your social paradigms, it's, uh, it's still so new and obtuse that it's hard to even get a place to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... I agree with, with, with both of you, and I will add something about, you know, the burnout for my personal experience. Tomorrow we will run a LARP, you know, I'm here doing that. I'm super happy, but it's something, you know, that that in a real in the functional work, maybe you don't do that, or you find another one to do that, but maybe there is no other people in the crew that want to do that, stuff like that. Uh, regarding the the, 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 the the challenge in professionalizing LARP, uh, I think uh, the problem is that LARP is, is a bit of a, of a paradox itself. I mean, it's like a, a wonderful a wonderful island. You know, it's hard to reach, but once you are there, you fall in love. You know, I think the rate of people that like LARP a lot from the first experience is one of the most uh, of the activity that has this this rate this this strongest rate. You know, I tried drafting. I think I thought, oh, well, it's cool, but I'm not super addicted. When you try LARP and you enjoy LARP. You really want another one very soon in, in the majority of the case. So, um, is, is, but the problem is that I would say a bit of controversial um, uh, sentence and um, LARP is a bit of a, is inertly gatekeeping. I mean, re- requires an effort uh, in the society of, of communication to have fun, to explore. You know, you have to do a lot of stuff for, even if, Organizers are working a lot and we, we improve incredibly in making that accessible. There is still something that you need to do more than music, cinema, or, or Netflix or whatever, you know? But on the other hand, when, once you do that, you discover something very, very, very strong, very powerful. So this is, this is um, uh, the problem. It, since it's usually love at first sight, it's hard to explain because love at first sight, we know... Uh, how it is when we experience that. You cannot exactly tell that. And communication is, a, is another big problem in professionalization. We, have, we struggle in explaining people what you want to do if, if you buy the ticket for my event. It's the biggest struggle. It, it's even hard with experienced LARPer because LARPer is so complex activity. Can you imagine with non-experienced LARPer, LARPer can, be, can be hard. And um, also another, I will conclude with that, another problem is enlarge the audience and the player bases. 
this is this is this is where we are because we don't have uh, as eric said we don't have infrastructure is is uh, we cannot buy commercial on the tv or on the radio and is so it is it, not it's not easy um certain other form of art for example opera in italy but in another in a lot of country have the same problem you know big production not easy to sell it and the majority of of, of the company have public money but we are very far from having public money for that. We should have that, like you know, the the, the ancient Greek had the, the government paying for people going to theater because it's transformative, it's good for 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 citizens. I in my wet dream, we have public money to make people do LARP because they need to do that at least once in their life. So it's Denmark do that though. Does, I think Denmark even has like funding for LARP because they yeah 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 yeah. You know, is, no Denmark. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they they actually actually um, in some schools have have specific classes where they actually teach LARP as like problem solving techniques um, and let let kids LARP their way through problems. So. Um, but it's it's interesting because two of you mentioned Disney and one of the things that. I am at some point looking forward to is spending the insane amount of money to go to the Disney hotel to get that, that, uh, the, the Star Wars hotel to get that, you know, mini, I guess, in essence, a LARP experience where you're given a character, you're on the spaceship and, and you interact with the people at, at, uh, the, the, the park itself as a almost quasi character. Um, what does that kind of set up? do you think bring to LARP and also in a sense, take away from LARP? In terms of a, a permanent space? Well, in terms of a, a permanent space, but also in terms of maybe like a player experience. So I, I think it's going to be a mixed bag. Um, and and I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because <laughs> I have a back burner project toying with some of these ideas. Um, but uh, with, a, with a situation like that, I think what you're doing is, especially if Disney can get their price point down, because the latest reports that I'm seeing are just absolutely astronomical. Um, yeah, but I, for, for anyone listening, it's like $3,000 for like two days. Right. Um, I, I think if Disney gets to a point where that kind of stuff can change, I think it'll end up helping. Um, because it's going to begin to mainstream some of the ideas that, that these different LARP events have been doing for a long time. This idea of, you know, you're building a character, you're experiencing a character, you're in this physical space, you're, you're with actors that are also, you know, part of the game and, and feeding story in. Um, so I, I think it's going to help that. Um, it's certainly going to change the experience a little bit in that it, it may be a bit more predictable um, it may be less player driven because they're they're kind of um, almost industrializing the experience a little bit. Um, I mean, you're not really going to get a custom character if if you're just kind of being shoved through. Um, although you know that's always up to the player. Um, I, I I definitely see positives and negatives in that kind of thing. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how it it how it moves forward. Any, any other thoughts on that from anyone? I mean, I want to go. I want to see it. You know, I'm interested just to see the sets, if anything. Um, but I just, my suspicion, uh, kind of like what Alex was saying about the industrialization of it, is from working in Renaissance fairs and being a character and an actor, 
um, there's a burnout that you hit, right? And you see so many, I don't know how many people are going through that sort of those numbers, but like when, 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 as far as I understand it, when Alex has a LARP, Alexandra has a LARP, when I have a LARP, there's kind of like this build up to it and then it happens and it's encapsulated in this container and then it's kind of over. I can only imagine that something that's going on and on and on, kind of like the Ren Faire experience, you know, on week seven, you're like, God, I got to get out of here. I'm like done, you know? Um, and I think that emotion can't be hidden by uh, people. So it will then, uh, so the bonus is LARP becomes normal and people are excited about it. The, I guess the negative is the impression becomes, but this is all LARP is capable of. And kind of like, uh, you know, when people define what art is or art isn't, you know, it can be this, but it can't be that. It kind of, uh, but I, I am interested. I would love to go and see what it's about. All this is very interesting. I remember a speech you gave from Jakob Stenros at the, um, at the Norwegian edition of the Knut Punk in 2017. He, he put a, he, he had a very interesting point about the the um, dehumanization of NPCs. You know, he said we we need to be aware that if we um, uh, try to professionalize professionalize LARP and make it on a bigger scale, uh, of course, the line between LARP and, and the amusement park will be blurred a little. And uh, if so, we need to be aware that we don't want to create, we need to avoid to create another category of exploited worker. Because, you know, Eric made me think about that. You know, if, if I tried to, if, if you want to describe, you know, on a very cynical and cold point of view, NPC work is exploiting, you know, it's like doing, if you take away the passion, the, the agency, the participation degree, it can explore and you say, just do that, that and that, you, you can, you know, it's a very delicate um, balance. So I was in very, very, um, I, um, I was touched by this, by this argument a lot. And also it helped me in being um, uh, always trying to be human toward my uh, my my staff, me, my co-worker, my co-organizer, uh, whatever. And so because if if we want if love will we, we'll go professional, we need to avoid all the trying to avoid all the things that are already in place in working space, um, regardless the 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 field, you know. So this is for sure. And also regarding, you know, this, this Disney experience, for example, I think the very turning point is um, the degree of immersion, the how much you want me to be a character. Because, you know, you have the zero character, it's not exactly zero, huh? it's, it's like this very small amount of being someone different when you experience an amusement park, because you are not yourself exactly in an amusement park, but you still think that you are yourself. You behave in a in a bit of different way, of course, but in the LARP, you know, make believe is like huge, a lot more than amusement park. So I think if in, I will be curious to go in a in a in a in a context where they ask me a bit to be someone else, but also being a tourist doing my my vacation, and it's fine. Uh, if they take away completely from me. I, I'm personally, I'm not interested in go and see cool stuff. It can be cool, but I, I, I can go, but I won't call it alarm. 
So that actually brings up an interesting question, I guess, from the perspective of, especially when you look at something like Disney, which I believe is opening in uh, late 2021 is when they're starting their their immersion experience, uh, which I think is what they're calling it at the moment. How do you think that's going to impact? Because obviously Disney is sitting on, you know, lots of funding, can do lots of of immersion, build up amazing sets, you know, make you feel as if you stepped onto the Millennium Falcon kind of thing. How do you think that's going to impact the player experience for your players? Now, I know that that all three of you have done LARP settings that are very unique, that are very immersive. So how do you think that's going to compare to sort of the high budget, let's call it Hollywoodization, that Disney can do. Okay, so let's. Look, I'm going to go back to Alessandro's, uh, you know, parallel to the music business, right? Like I can go to a big production music show, and that has a certain vibe, or maybe a band that's a little more boutique or indie has a certain vibe. The, the audience has a certain vibe. The emotional connections of the people and the followers there have a certain and desire and want. Um, I think that's like, first off, one of the first things that we'll, we'll recognize. And maybe we'll change the LARP industry a little bit as far as what players want in like a large production experience versus a more personalized experience. You know, if I go to a, uh, a festival with 10,000 people versus a festival with 1,000 people, I'm gonna have a different experience every day just based on the number of people and the production level of the festival. Um, you know, like Burning Man's awesome. It's great. It's amazing. And I, you know, love to go, but also smaller local burns that have under a thousand people have a certain quality that Burning Man will just never have. And I think the other point is you brought up is the price point. I mean, am I spending three to $10,000 to go do a LARP or am I spending a thousand or less to go do a LARP? Uh, it, it kind of changes it a little bit, but to Alex's point, if they bring the price point down, then that would that would be tough because you know if they have a, a price point that's five hundred and they have ten thousand people there, and then there's a price point that's five hundred and there's a hundred people, people might start making comparisons. And I hope that, especially after everything that we've gone through this year, that people would value the emotional connections that they make with people more than the connections that they would make with a production set. You know, for I am a big, <clears throat> big fan of all LARP organizers all over the world. I'm so I think we are we are in a different way all so so cool and creative. Even the one maybe that that makes LARP I don't like as a kind of LARP. I think we have an enormous, a huge um, amount of knowledge that we know. Because I think all all, all LARP organizers came from a very hard training, you know. For example, um, I am thinking about you know these Disney issues. For example, I'm, we I, I think I can speak for almost all LARP organizers all over the world. I know you can say you can it sounds a bit <laughs> exaggerating, but uh, let let's focus about that for a moment. Uh, our audience, I mean our, I mean general um, audience all over the world, are are very demanding very, very demanding, you know? They want a LARP who is accessible, 
from all the meanings this this word can have and, and and it's a good thing but of course players want that and organizers want to do that then they we want uh, cool de, um, set design you know cool uh, everything about that but it's not enough this is the very the difference between a larper and someone who wants to go to an amusement park they want the cool they want we want the cool the coolest location ever but if you go in a larp that has just a cool location a cool costume is not enough there is something missing we want the game we want a connection we want relationship we want you know a challenge all this kind of stuff and all the organizers are very very trained into that so this is the reason why other kind of experience seems too light for us you know too like something is missing so for this reason i don't think we we will take something from uh, from you know the, the, the disney approach uh, maybe just you know the 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 the, the will of, of having that or maybe we will progress in terms of scenography but i think it's more the contrary i think disney can take a lot of things from us you know in terms of design of all the experience we put aside in in the, in the, uh, more than 40 years you know i think first larp was like 82 they say it, so i'm not an historian of larp but something like that and um, and since that time we worked uh, for all the time of the day all over the world so we have this enormous this 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 huge um, uh, amount of knowledge and uh, it's very easy for someone to take uh, away ideas and use that it's fine in a way but i think they can learn more from us in terms of what an experience is So Disney, if you're listening, hire all of us. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, you know, you, you both kind of touched on a point, and I, I think it's just kind of worth pointing out. I think one of the beauties of the the LARP community is that it's just so varied. There's such diversity, and you're certainly going to see some of those people that are, you know, they they want that that look. They want to see the sets more than anything else. But then you're also going to have those people that are still going to like want the story. They're still going to want the character build. I mean, even within different themes. I mean, we've talked to some people who don't really want to do a sci-fi LARP, but they love fantasy LARP. And that's, I mean, that's one of those things. I, I think we're just going to, you know, as, as stuff like these, these, you know, bigger Disney style things evolve. Um, I think we're just going to see more, um, more options and and I think that'll be exciting to see um, let's hope let's hope it gets there so I guess in a sense that that sort of leads us to to the next question which is you know with with Disney coming in and doing the stuff that they're doing what's been the biggest challenge for the three of you in turning LARP into a I guess profession or quasi-profession Are you meaning more personally? Yeah, more personally. Um, I know for me personally, it's it's just been the amount of time. Um, as we've all said at various points, I mean, you have to wear so many hats in this type of role. Um, and if you're also trying to to juggle the other aspects of life, whether it be family, an additional career, all those sorts of things, um, burnout is, is, is very real. Um, you've got so many different things that you're trying to do. And especially when you're trying to do something to a, a high level of production, um, 
you know, you've, you've got elements of theater, you've got elements of gaming, you've got elements of administration, and then all these other things. Um, I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot. And it's really hard, especially when you don't know how many people are going to sign up, how well it's going to be received, all these sorts of things. From my point of view, I can, I, I'm not a professional LARPer. This is the, 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 the first thing I want to say. I mean, LARP is, is a big part of my life in terms of, of emotion, in terms of, of, of uh, amount of time I put in it, passion and project I do. I'm still a professor at the university and um, I don't know whether I can jump on the professional LARP. I have a lot of personal fear. I won't share it for, with you because it will be a very depressive <laughs> end of, of the podcast not very not very depressive but very personal um, so but something that that I, I can I can imagine will be hard in professionalization is um, having your own crew how many people what kind of skills what kind of of, of, um, of uh, salary they will have in compared to how many hours they will spend and also we don't have a professional figure in LARP, because LARP is 90% volunteer, I mean, in, in general, as a, as, a, as a field. And so we don't even have the name, you know. I struggle with, with some other LARP organizer to find out, you know, the name of the roles that people can have in the crew. So someone use writer, game designer, or plot writer, or whatever, you know. Having different names can uh, looks like a silly problem, but it's a real one hmm. because it it it's is a, is a break, it's a stopping. For example, exchange in different crew because although we have this um, quasi tribal you know mentality, you know you organize with your friend of the people you know. But if if uh, one day LARP will be professional like cinema, crew will be different from project to project. So, and you don't have the same director, the same camera boy, the same actor, the same musician doing the same movie. It's very rare, you know, for example, you can have the composer who work always with the same director, but it's, it's rare. Usually it's, it's crew changing in, uh, constantly because, because it is sustainable. Because if we are all in the same pool, each LARP who has an economic success can give money to everyone in the scene. Because other ways it becomes, I go up, you go down, and then one of two will stop, you know? So this idea of collaboration is very, is, is starting, but it's very slow in LARP compared to other field, artistic field who are already uh, professional. Can I, can I just point out real quick, are all three of us educators? Do all three of us have an education background? Yes, kind of. That's that's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's it's like it's like a tricky thing because it's like the 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 resources are limited. So it's like bringing up a job thing. It's like you know I cannot afford to hire people to work for me all the time, and so I'm up against working with volunteers or other people's schedules and. The amount of work that goes into one of these things to do it efficiently um, definitely does not equal you know, an hour of pay that is anywhere even near minimum wage for anyone, if, if even recognizable. 
Um, so one limit is like the financials and like just the overhead of everything, storing things, running an office, if, if you're doing that. Um, but also the participants are limited. Like in, in New England, there's a lot of issues of, well, I can't go to your LARP because I'm going to like another LARP or I, I only have this much a year to spend on LARPs. And so your pool of people who are interested is also very small, um, which can be beneficial because then people will volunteer if they don't have the financial resources or whatnot, but that makes it difficult. It's very easy to put yourself out of business if you offer too much as well, right? Like we did one year, we were doing a big event every month and it was not a good idea. And so we stripped that down to just four a year. And we really don't make money with LARPs. You know, our, our business is an education model. We do after school programming and day camps and we have a residential camp and all of it's LARP based, but it's not LARP events. So that actually, I think segues nicely into, into another question, um, which is, so since since all three of you essentially do do another job as your main and primary job and and as as do i um you know how how has the professionalization of of, of larp and and what you've sort of learned from doing larp helped you in the other job that you do hmm. i have a lot of philosophical answer to <laughs> yeah, that's a, I, can get, I can get deep. <laughs> I mean, um, help me, of course, in the, the most um, uh, trivial uh, part of the answer is it helped me to speak in public. Okay? I am a, I'm a professor and um, in Italy, you don't have a training in public speaking. They just throw you in the classroom and say, okay, this is your, your student, make the lesson funny, entertaining and full of information. You know, you try to find your way yourself. Okay, so uh, I already was a, a role player and larper since a lot. So you know, when you already have uh, announced you know the death of the queen, the the revolution, um, try to to in larper to make people uh, attack this guy or uh, do uh, whatever you want, then it's easy to explain uh, um, Stravinsky to people. You know. Uh, the, the the most part is done in, in the fiction, you know. Um, so this is, or this is, of course, was something that happened me. And also another thing that is more the philosophical part is um, it helps me to understand the mask we have constantly on our face uh, on a daily basis. You know, uh, is 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 very trivial now, but for me as a, as a young guy was was very interesting to understand that you know this very tough guy you see at school maybe cry in private and vice versa, or uh, you are polite in a context and very rude in another one, and then you are not a monolith and you need to, to go through all the facets you can have, you can show to people. So it helped me because, you know, being a professor is like, is a very, uh, not hard in the, in the bad sense, but it's very evident mask. You know, you are the professor, you are talking to the people and they, took your word very seriously you know they take notes they know that the exam will be about that all this kind of stuff so it helped me to manage this aspect and try to always remember that 
this is a mask, but they, I am another people, I'm another person under the mask, and, they, and mask can change. And you maybe are not aware. So lab made me aware that in a, in, the, in a space of one day, I can be 10 different people. Of course, there are nuances. I'm not, no, we are not completely uh, schizophrenic or borderline, but we change, you know, according to the people we are talking to. Even now, of course, I'm talking on a podcast is completely different from the conversation we had with Martin and Eric after this RLR. I, I wasn't speaking that way, of course, but I have the same person with the same belief. So this helped me a lot. And the last part of the answer, uh, sorry if I be a bit long, is uh, the revelation that reality simply doesn't, doesn't exist. Uh, it came also, this, this is in a book, a very interesting book from uh, Jonathan Gottschall. The, the title is The Storytelling Animal, How Story Make Us Human. It was a very, very enlightening reading because it reveals something that I already knew, but not that, that good, is that we are, we are very, mm, we are not in, in reality as, as we think. Uh, we are in the past when we have memories. We are in the future when we project something. We are elsewhere when we listen to the music or we're reading a book or we are in a fiction or we are dreaming, you know. We change constantly in the 24 hour of the day. And uh, so this mix it between reality and fiction, being aware and make peace with that idea uh, comes from directly from LARP. And I can use that in, 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 my, in my life as a, as a device to to understand the complexity. It's over. That's awesome. That's a, the, the mask analogy, I love it. You know, it's like a Campbell throwback. It's so good. So uh, at, at the risk of sounding like a horrible person, I'm, I'm gonna answer your question a little bit differently, Martin, but I, I think um, trying to professionalize LARP has made me a worse teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Because because it saps so much of my energy, time, and creativity that I I, I know I've been slipping in the classroom. So, <laughs> well, you know that that is, I think that that's is a, fair. <laughs> I think well, yeah, we I mean we talk about the challenges of of professionalizing something like this, and and again, that's a very real thing. Um, yeah, you yeah. devote so much to to the business and and that's true of you know any entrepreneurial effort really um but uh, especially with just the creative end of things within uh larp i mean it's it's it, it's it's very real for me personally and i i would happily go into it in more detail but <laughs> then we'd have to get into my personal life too <laughs> <laughs> well and and i find it interesting um because you, you've all mentioned something in which I think can actually turn into an episode all on its own, um, especially when you mentioned John Campbell. Um, he wrote a fantastic book called The Power of Myth, which essentially says that, you know, we as, as beings um, are storytellers and we tell our, our stories through our various myths. And he's expanding that into not only you know, the myths that we as cultures tell, but also the myths that we tell through our movies, the myths that we tell through our actions and what we do. And and, and I think that that actually may have just given me the, the sixth episode for next year. <laughs> um, so thank you for that. Hero with a thousand faces. Yeah. I mean, he's he's got a lot of really good work. Yeah. 
I mean, that is one of the pleasures. I know we talk about a lot of the hardships here, but like, it's amazing being this bard, right? We're all barding, but it's not just a bard singing a song. It's this chorus of people singing this song. And that's one of the amazing things about LARP. And it's almost like you dive into this river of every story that's ever been told, like Joseph nails out in these books. And it's like, that is such a precious and massive, like Akashic record of data that for whatever reason, you can't get into that like internet, right? You can't get into that, that information source unless you're in a fully immersive kind of LARP environment. And I, I mean, LARP environments are weird. Like they teach you so many skills so fast. There's a good argument that LARP is teaching every single uh, multiple intelligence as Gardner lays out at once. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you don't have to teach 21st century skills because you're automatically learning them. And you know, that's the big thing now is like, how do we judge 21st century skills? How do we teach divergent thinking and people to be leaders and think critically? It's like, you're in a LARP, you're just going to do it. And you're going to be mo- more opt to do it because it's a game and you're having fun. Like if I had to go to a training for that, I'd be like, oh, geez, you know, that's going to be hard. But when it becomes a game and it's fun and I get to pretend I'm somebody else, all of a sudden I'm doing actually pretty difficult things, but it's just in the kind of the air of fun. So I don't have as many inhibitions. I'm not carrying all of my can and cannot do's that I've learned through nature nurture experiences because uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not being myself. So what I've in like, so we see these experiences with jobs. Like I used to work, had the pleasure to work with Alexi Moisen who helped me develop my company. And then he went on to work with Pivot who does um, healthcare for Madagascar and they, you know, international activities. And he went in, in there with all these new skills and data and really blew Pivot up. I think they do like 4 million plus annually with donations. And he said that all the skills that he learned from running a LARP is what he's using to run this company. Hmm. And so it's kind of like a lot of times there's a lot of skills being learned in a LARP that we might not even be aware of, whether it's like organizing people, organizing projects, um, handling crisis management, having to turn things on ahead that are the actual goals of new education models that they're trying to solve, right? So um, it's kind of a pat on my own back and all of our backs when I say it, but one part of this could be is like the answer to a lot of these problems that we're having with education and training is LARPs. And if someone says, well, I don't know about that, I would say, well, look at what the military does for training these days. They have very developed LARPs to train uh, their people for all kinds of different situations. And even small companies like uh, Panera, right, they do things where they bring in their executives to work at the cashier that day. So the executives can feel like what it's like and relate to the person who's on the ground floor that they're making decisions for every day. Um, So I think any type of immersive narrative education setting is in essence a LARP, right? Which we could argue goes back to indigenous practices and things like that. As far as I'm concerned, it's the highest form of education. You know, it's like if someone's like, didn't know how, what reading and writing was, and they're like, what's the Gutenberg printing press? It's kind of like people saying, what is LARP now? Uh, but that's me. You know, obviously, I'm a LARP fan. So. 
<laughs> but but no, I think you you hit on some some exact points. I mean, it's it's actually much more natural for us than we'll often think it is. I mean, you look at you look at how kids play. Um, you look at the situations that we we all go through as as we're you know in these developmental years, and it's because there is a real value to being able to play out different situations, to think creativity, to problem solve, even in a, in a, a world of fiction. Um, there's there's a lot of value there. Yeah, I, I think this reveals also. Usually when I say that, nobody agrees with me. So maybe this time I will have more chance. <laughs> that LARP is not about storytelling. It's more about experience. You know, usually when, you know, we, we all like this storytelling world because it's, it's very powerful. But I think we are more on the experience. Because if you, for example, think about the, the story of the LARP you like it the most, I mean, the plot are quite trivial or silly or or very, very you cannot exactly make a good movie or a good book out of that. Because I think literature and cinema and theater also, but maybe more cinema and literature are very good to telling stories. They are the media that can tell story. We can have a very trivial situation. For example, uh, three of us are the rebel and uh, one of us is the, the evil king. It's super silly, but when we play, I put you in jail and you feel that you are forced by my, my man hearts to go into the jail and the, 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 the jail is humid and you have to stay that for one night. This makes the magic of LARP more than the story. Okay? And also this is why LARP is so powerful in terms of education because you experience stuff. I mean, with your body, with your mind. And also there is this struggle. I mean, a point, maybe I will change in the future, but now my, my idea is you, the player and the character are two different uh, existing beings, non-human beings, but they exist, okay? Even if one is just on the paper and the other is a creature with flesh and blood, but they need to cooperate, you know? I can learn something from my character, but I will drive my character according to who I, I am, okay? So I have these two interfaces. My character is the interface that I use, the device that I use, the interface I use to, to uh, interact with the other. You know, it's like a car. We are guiding our car and this is the character, you know. But then there is the setting, there is my body as a person, as Alessandro, who links me to the setting, to the whole experience. Because I, during the experience, I will experience fear, physical fear, or love, or uh, appeasement, or uh, relax, whatever. And this is really about me. I mean, me as a player. So these two layers exist all the time. Some LARP can emphasize one of the two layers, but you still have the two layers. Because if you, if you lose that and lo go losing the character is a problem for your life. If you don't wear the character, maybe you are not LARPing. So you, have, you need these two, the, the, the feedback, you know, between the struggle between these two devices is maybe the LARP itself. And I, I conceive the struggle more as an experience. The storytelling is the context, give the, the context for the experience. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. It's the experience. So I'm going to slightly change gears a little bit on you because we're, we're coming up toward the, the end of our time here. 
and I'm going to ask you uh, a question. I'm actually going to ask you uh, so two questions, but we can kind of combine them into one. Um, so with the current COVID-19 crisis, um, obviously many LARPs have been canceled or have been postponed for 2020. Um, so how do you think that's going to impact LARP going forward? And at the same time, what's next for each of you when it comes to, to LARP? That's tough when live action role play <laughs> can't be live action necessarily. You know, it kind of just becomes role play. And a lot, a lot of what we've done I think Eric may have frozen. Or I think I may have frozen. Oh, I can still hear him. Oh, sick. Oh. I, I, I think you... I, I, <laughs> I, I, yeah, if you could say that again, I think that it, we froze on my end, so... Oh, okay. So I'll, what I was just saying is, like, basically the way that we've tried to pivot in this COVID environment is, you know, we can't be in person right now. Um, so the live action of LARP has been taken out, and then we're back to role play, which is working on tabletop games online, using different third parties, software, doing a lot of writing, doing a lot of development. Uh, we just ended a 10 year ongoing campaign. So one of the benefits is we've had a lot of time to develop new story content. Um, but we are looking at like, how can we LARP in this COVID environment and kind of let the bleed in of the restrictions of uh, personal protection equipment and social distancing work with a LARP, but it, it's been tricky. It's it's been a hard hard pivot and a hard takeaway, you know, because it's something that I love to do and it's I identify a lot with it. And not being able to do it has been a, a big change. And I know I'm still on board for a LARP in Boston. I think that's sort of taking place this fall, and you know they have backup dates, but who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, it's, it's certainly a challenge. I know for Quest, we've pushed all of our events out of 2020. Um, our second season of Outbound was slated for November. It's now moved to April. Um, and, and I mean, Eric's entirely correct. It's, it's how do we pivot? How do we change? Uh, it's been amazing to see how a number of different LARP organizers have changed their model entirely. I know there's a couple of events that are now being run via Zoom and, and other uh, software items. Um, I, I'm I'm hoping that we get back to what we all know and love sooner rather than later. Um, I know for Quest, we've got two other projects that we're working on uh, for next year, and we've got a couple others that we're kind of chewing on. But it's it's all it's all up in the air. We we have no idea of of knowing how long this this situation will last. Yeah, I, of course, this this whole situation was terrible from oil point of view, of course, and uh, going to, to talking about LARP, there is, of course, this this all the LARP were cancelled or postponed is terrible. Uh, I think in, I don't know how it is in, in, in America, but, you know, in Europe, we will have like all the organizers postponed LARP in um, uh, spring of 2021, that it will be like Free LARP each day, I think <laughs> something something will go wrong at a certain point. <laughs> we, we also we also postpone the of LARP. We postponed the Sahara LARP. It will be November 2021. We postponed other LARP. 
And um, so this is, of course, this is, was terrible, but was a good move because there is no way to, to risk. But there is also, I, I, I try always to find something positive even in such a hard times. Something that will be very interesting, I think an historian of LARP should study thoroughly is all the LARP creator in the world close down for months and, and write down LARP. So we will have a mass of pro or LARP productive, productive at the same time with people all over the world writing at the same moment. And uh, all this LARP will come out in 2021 and 22. And also I think the pandemic affect our fantasy, our creation, creativity. So it will wear the trace of what will live, will be in the lab. So we'll, it will take a very interesting um, moment analyzing our creativity project. And also we, as a Chaos League, we tried to do um, some online lab and uh, to try to turn the situation optimistic and find new way of design with a different interaction, of course. And we've, we learn, we learn a lot. We, we uh, of course, it, it is hard to design for, because we are all new and it's not exactly large because we don't have physical presence, but we, we try to use this, this tech, these digital meanings more and we learn something that we will use maybe in the future. It will, will be easy for us to lower the price incredibly. Our online lab was 10, euros the price uh, and we were very happy because we had a lot of people joining the game without you know um, uh, travel expenses all this kind of stuff we we opened a run for 72 people and we ended up with 320 people so we did we added run after run after run because you know everyone was so desperate to LARP. So we, 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 we did it. And we had a lot of role players from Asia, for example, that say, I know you guys, but for me, it's just impossible to join your game. So it will be the chance. Or in terms of, of, of um, um, inclusion, a lot of new parents that are LARPer that cannot LARP for the first year when the kids is in the baby are very young, so they, they can LARP. They can switch in parents, for example, if you have both parent LARP, one is LARPing and the other is staying with the baby. And also accessibility in terms of physical uh, problem, it will be also easy. If you cannot move, you cannot travel, you can laugh with that. And uh, so for this reason, we will do another international LARP, um, a, a digital one. Sign up are still open. The name is Animus, and we will run it in September. And we went sold out with the first two run, and a third run is open. Each run, which is very funny for a term of design, is made by 12 sub run, let's say. So it's 12 group playing at the same time. Each group is from six, six people. So you have 72 players playing um, at the same time. And also you can have interaction between them. So it's, it's, we don't know if it's the future of LARP. It's not the future of LARP, but it's a future feature of LARP. This is something mm -hmm. we, we learned. Very cool. So just just to give all of our American listeners a, a number in their head for that, the 10 euros works out to about $12. Um, oh, we're very so happy. Good <laughs> price. <laughs> good price for some entertainment. It's two-day LARP. So, uh, but you know, you got tough about, you don't have to feed people, you don't have to have toilets, you don't have to take plane. Mm -hmm. um, you can do costume, you know, in a, in a very easy way because we all have a lot of costume at, as, as LARP at home or you can easily 
uh, by staff was was uh, was very amazing. The only trick was the time zone because we didn't expect a so global um, uh, audience. Uh, so we tried to put people in the same time zone in the same group. But then you also had some funny story. For example, a guy who was in the middle of the night and the other was like at the sun the sunset. Like, Hello. And they play at the same time with a completely different background because they are in different continents. <laughs> so I, I think that this has been an excellent discussion and I, I would love to continue this for hours, but unfortunately our time is coming to a close. Uh, so I would like to thank Eric, Alex and Alessandro for joining us today. Um, thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to this episode of From Adventurer to Innkeeper, a podcast for all LARPers. Our next episode, which we'll release on the 22nd of November, will look at some blockbuster LARPs. And that topic will cover how those LARPs have become major sensations on a global scale. And hopefully we'll have both some players and organizers as guests. Uh, again, I would like to thank our guests uh, for joining me on this uh, live show. I'm your host, Martin Lesson. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Mal Books. Uh, additionally, we want to thank Lex Media for the use of the Fred Rothman Memorial Podcast Studio. And uh, please check out their links on our website, adventurertoinkeeper.com. 